0: You're listening to House of Cards on the House of Cards Radio Network. Check us out at HouseOfCardsRadio.com.
1: You know what cheers me up? What? Rolled-up aces over kings.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. The House of Cards.
0: Today, the game is different. With author and professional poker player, Ashley Adams.
3: Okay, you have some skill Hello,
4: listeners. This is Ashley Adams. Welcome to House of Cards. We've got a great show. Um, I know a lot of you. I meet a lot of people. I travel a lot, uh, play poker all over the place, meet a lot of players. And there is a certain percentage, I'd say a relatively small percentage of you, who are intensely interested in getting better at poker and really working at it. This show is really dedicated to you. Those of you that just think you've got all the skills already and you just play for fun – You may find this entertaining, but the people who are most going to benefit from this show are those who really want to get better, because we have a guest on today, our first guest, who is the president and CEO of a company that is dedicated to making players better. His name is Chris Torina. He is the CEO and president of DeepStacks. DeepStacks is an umbrella company that includes DeepStacks University, which has online training, Deep Stacks Live, which runs uh, poker training in casinos with professionals teaching those of us who are uh, not yet fully skilled how to become better, and also the Deep Stacks Poker Tour. He's going to be talking about an event that's coming up in Philly, as well as how you can access the site online. And then we're going to be talking to Kevin O'Toole, who is the executive director of the Pennsylvania Gaming Control Board. He's going to be talking about developments in Pennsylvania, gaming and poker in specific. So stay tuned. We look forward to talking to them after the break.
0: Don't just listen to House of Cards. Now you can be part of the show with the House of Cards Hotline. Call us at 609-474-HOCR and leave a message for Ashley and the rest of the House of Cards crew. Comments about the show? Poker questions? You just want us to know about great places to play or you just got bluffed out of a pot? Your messages may even be played on the air. Give us a call at 609-474-HOCR. That's 609-474-4627. The House of Cards Hotline. Available 24 hours a day. Call the hotline or send us an email at info at houseofcardsradio.com. And don't forget to visit our website at houseofcardsradio.com and follow the show on Twitter and Facebook. By leaving a message with House of Cards, you can send to having your message played on the air. You're listening to House of Cards on the House of Cards Radio Network. Check us out at houseofcardsradio.com. You're listening to the House of Cards. I'm raising the ante. Anybody wants in, get in. Anybody wants out, get out. Join us online at houseofcardsradio.com. Are we
2: going to play poker? So, the poker game has begun.
4: Welcome back, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. You're listening to House of Cards. We have a very special guest for this segment the man who is the CEO and president of Deep Stacks, which is a company that has three pieces, Deep Stacks Live, which is an in-person poker training company, Deep Stacks University, which is an online training course, and Deep Stacks Poker Tour, which is a low-level buy-in tour that brings top pros to card rooms around the United States. So, Chris, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you doing, Ashley? Very well. Just uh, for our listeners, Chris Tarina has been on the show before, but we're going to be talking today about some new developments in the Philadelphia area. So, what's going on?
1: Uh, well, I mean, we are doing an event uh, at the end of um, towards the end of August, August nineteenth uh, through the twenty first. We're at or twenty second. We're actually uh, pretty excited about it because we know how difficult it is to get into the Philadelphia market, but we're doing a camp with uh, Robert and Michael Mizraki, as well as Tristan Wade and Mike Mattiso and Jennifer Lee at the uh, Parks Casino in Ben Salem on the 19th. So we're pretty excited about that.
4: Well, tell our listeners who may not be familiar with uh, what a training camp is exactly what this entails. What If somebody were to go, first of all, what does it cost and what are they going to learn?
1: Well, the, uh, the cost of it, we do like a five or six hour course and it, it costs roughly $500. We usually charge like a hundred dollars an hour but it's the most um, most intense poker training in the market right now it it, it happens predominant predominantly at a poker table versus some other uh... camp companies and things like that do more of a classroom setting we actually feel like sitting with uh... with a pro at a table for that amount of time and 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 seeing the cards as they play out um... is the best way to learn and, and really just hands-on customizable training and it's uh, you know our students really enjoy it, and our pros really like teaching that way. So it's the most effective way for you know adults to really get educated in poker.
4: So it's five hundred bucks. It's five to six hours long, and all of the instructors are there. Is it limited to how many people can actually sign up?
1: No, we 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 actually don't put a cap on it. I mean, we have about fourteen to fifteen pros that work uh, with DeepStacks right now. We also have some guest pros around North America that. Uh, fill in from time to time as, as kind of a, you know, guest appearances, but um, it, it, it's, we have to have one pro per table, so if we, you know, have 11, you know, 11 tables, 110 players, uh, we have to bring 11 pros, and that's, you know, we have to have one pro per table, and that's really the difference between how we teach and, and other other organizations teach
4: So, what am I learning if I'm participating? I mean, do I have to come with some knowledge of the game, or am I starting out being taught the ranking of the hands? I mean, how advanced is this?
1: Uh, Well, to answer your question, yeah, I mean, we've had people that have come in and you know, have played maybe you know, two home games, and we've had to pull them to the side and give them like a real, you know, tutorial on how to play poker, and we kind of, you know, keep keep them off to the side to keep the fluidity of the camp going, but Ultimately, we have everything from intermediate to advanced, and, um, you know, the things that you're going to learn are all the current things that players are doing right now. I mean, you know, having Boosted Jay and, you know, Tristan Wade and, and Mike Mizraki, you know, teach the things that they're using in tournaments and cash games, and really the hottest trends right now are the things that we teach. So, you know, the days of teaching out of a book or a manual or, you know, something that is PowerPoint-driven, those days... We have never, you know, those days are long gone. But they've never been, you know, a part of our curriculum. We're pretty proud of that.
4: That's great. So you actually use the parks casinos uh, tables and other facilities, or do you have a separate place within uh, their building that you set up separately?
1: No, we're doing it right in their poker room. I think you know, having it in a, in a in a place that you know the players around can you know can kind of see and see Mike, you know, you know, see Mikey and Grinder and. You know boosted standing there and really teaching and things like that i think gives you know the the enhances the environment within the poker room and it's something cool that you know the poker room manager and some of the some of the staff can you know show that they, they have the ability to bring these guys in there so we we do a right on the, the poker room floor and it's and it's quite a sight for sure
4: do people get a chance to ask questions or is it just a, a long lecture by these people
1: no no it's, it's all it's all student driven i mean you know, we don't we we really encourage our students to participate. And the reason why we have one pro per table is because the ratio from 9 or 10 to 1 uh, really makes the learning environment the best possible. So, you know, a lot of the questions, a lot of the, the, the things that the pros teach is actually generated by the questions that the students ask. So it's not like we come in there and we go, okay, today from 8 to 9 you're going to learn this or 10 to 11 you're going to learn that. That stuff's all BS. I mean, everything is student-driven. So if a student has a particular question about three and four betting in and out of position and a a situation arises at the table, the pros there usually in the hand with them, and they can address that question. So it's all student-driven.
4: Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, We're going to have to take a break in about 30 seconds. But what I'd like to talk about when we come back from the break is where else you've done this and what other learning opportunities there are. On your uh, DeepStacks University online, and also how the how the tournament's going to run, because I understand that you're participating there in a very large tournament. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Chris Torina from DeepStacks Live.
0: Great moments in history. In July 1937, Amelia Earhart was informed by her navigator, Fred Noonan, that they were off course over the Pacific Ocean.
2: You're lost. you here telling me that I'm not in Can I hold the No. Up Can I hold the No. Up hold the no. Up
0: that is so not cool. In June 2008, House of Cards began podcasting. Go to HouseofCardsRadio.com and click on the podcast button for all recent show downloads. Hi,
4: listeners. This is Ashley Adams, professional poker player, author, and host of House of Cards. You can all, wherever you're listening to our show, we're now blanketing the United States, you can send in your questions or comments about the show to info at houseofcardsradio.com, and you can also get our tweets on Twitter at www.twitter.com slash hocradio. Info at houseofcardsradio.com and www.twitter.com slash HOC Radio.
0: Hey, you serious about poker? And winning Seven Card Stud by Ashley Adams is a must-have for stud players of all levels. In winning Seven Card Stud, the World Series of Poker veteran takes you through a series of lessons and strategies designed to make you a better player in all phases of your game. The techniques of betting, what cards to play, how to read the other players, the art of bluffing—you'll learn to master them all. Winning Seven Card Stud by professional poker player Ashley Adams. Available at Amazon.com. This is, is the House of Cards.
4: you got to gamble to
3: win, boys and girls. With Ashley Adams. Hold it. Is that the king?
4: Welcome back, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. You're listening to House of Cards, and we're just continuing our conversation with the CEO and president of DeepStacks, a training company, a poker training company. His name is Chris Torina. And, Chris, are you still there? Yes, I am. Okay, good thing. Uh, so... How many folks have you trained already? Because I know you've been doing this for a while now.
1: Uh, somewhere in the ballpark, you know, in the high tens of thousands. I mean, between the online training center and the live camps, we we've, we've taught a significant amount of people. So, you know, we we get out there quite often, to say the least.
4: Wow, that's a lot. That's probably one of the reasons I have a harder and harder time winning when I go into a casino because people have <laughs> taken lessons. Uh, I, I actually wanted to talk a little bit about your online. Uh, training program because you know i meet a lot of players and interestingly enough most of them don't care at all about whether they get better they feel they're proud of the fact they've never read a book they've never taken the training course but we have a small percentage of folks who their obsession is getting better and i think they would like to know is there a way really that they can sign on and do something on the internet that will ramp up their game. And if so, what is it? So tell us how they might be able to do that with your product.
1: So, yeah, so that's a, that, you know, that's a good, that's a good question. It's it's basically go to dot com, and you'll see in the upper third of the, the website, you'll see all our brands and two of the brands, uh, represented by the logos are DeepStack University and DeepStack 360. DeepStack University was kind of uh, something that we did, proprietary, that people can sit in the comfort of their home and, and, and learn from the pros in a, in a video-based, scenario-based uh, platform um, while there's three things going on, a video of the, of the instructor interacting with you, a uh, uh, virtual poker table, representing the action that the pro is describing and a and a section uh, where you actually answer and interact with what the pro is, is teaching you and asking you. Um, that has been really, really well received because it's, it's nothing like any of the other sites, like a runners or a tournament edge or anything like that, which they have their niche. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy for those guys too, because they, they, they kick ass, they kick ass too. Um, but our thing is, is unique and onto itself. And we have, people that love learning that way. Um but most recently we added um a camera technology that was used at WSOP last year by ESPN to live stream all the final tables. We took that camera system um and incorporated it into our live camps and our live training. So uh people can sit at the you know sit at home and not only learn on the modules from the university but also Uh, watch the live camp going on being streamed from a camera that shoots the entire camp in a 360-degree panoramic view. So um, it's a unique way to not, if you're not able to make a camp, to also watch it for the fraction of the cost, um, you know, in real time. And it's a pretty sick technology.
4: Okay. uh, Just for listeners that just tuned in, I'm talking to Chris Torino, who's the CEO and president of DeepStacks, which is a, company that trains people on how to improve their poker game we're talking now about the online product uh, deepstax University what you mentioned the cost what would it cost if I wanted to uh, ramp up my no limit game what are we talking about
1: uh, well it depends I mean if you want if you want to be a member of the site uh, it's a $99 activation fee and then uh, it's dollars 95 a month but we have a ton of promotions going on. So we can either, you know, some of the promotions are waiving the fee and uh, you know, giving you a third month for free, that sort of thing. So we got a wide array of promos uh going on right now, or if you wanted to, you know, watch a live camp um, on the internet, that usually costs us, depending on the size of the camp and the instructor teaching it, usually costs about forty nine ninety five. Um uh, but nice. so you get that into you know, you get that also, you know, recorded so you could always refer back to it. So you know we you know we we want to give our customer a wide array of options and 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 we couldn't think of a better way to, to 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 learn poker whether it's a module, it being streamed or actually participating in it live. I mean, best way to learn.
4: Okay, so we had on our show uh, just the other day we had Barry Greenstein on. I'm sure you're familiar with Barry. He's a, a very successful pro, and he just wrote a book that I think is going to – it's a small chapter of a book to come, but now it's coming out as a freestanding book that I think is going to be a bestseller because it's not <clears throat> its not No Limit Texas Hold'em. I mean, one of the problems with what you're doing for the professionals who are out there is you're making everybody's game so good that the games themselves are getting tougher. And so right. a lot of pros are moving into other games, whether it's Omaha, Pot Limit Omaha, or Badugi or Badusi or Bidasi. So no, he's written a book on Badugi, And I'm wondering if your site only covers No Limit Hold'em, or are there any other games that I can uh, improve my skills on by accessing Deep Stacks?
1: Yeah, we, we also have like PLO modules as well. We just went into the PLO about four months ago, everything from the basics to intermediate now we're trying to go into an advanced because very few people know how to play PLO effectively and, and really in the right way. Uh, so we ventured off into that and then this year um, we're gonna do a PLO camp um, as part of one of our existing camps or just pick a city where we just you know deem it a PLO camp. So we've had a lot of requests for mixed games uh, which is just the natural progression. I mean everyone knows how to pretty much play no limit hold them right or wrong but they know how, they know the dynamic behind it. But I think the next phase of our business, um, other than our poker tour, is gonna to be, you know, teaching mixed games and we brought Robert Mizraki on as a guest pro. He's teaching the parks camp as well with us, and we've talked about doing some mixed games with him and Grinder and possibly Jason Mercier and, and, and maybe Phil Galpon. So we're in those talks right now and I think that'd be the next step in our in our business.
4: All right. Uh, you have a tour. Oh, but, oh, I was going to ask you, you're covering Potlum and Omaha on your site, but are there any other games that you're covering yet?
1: No, I mean, I think the next one would be, you know, the high-low version, the PLO, and then and then going into something like stud, but you know, I don't think there's a there's really a need right now for Badesi or Badugi or anything like that for us to, you know, start converting software you know, our platform into that, but I think as we start getting requests, we will, but eventually right now we just want to master the no limit hold'em you know training and then start mastering the PLO training
4: well I hope that people out there don't master it too quickly so I can still eke out a small profit in the game but tr- yeah, honestly
1: surprise actually you'd be surprised buddy people come to our camp and they're sponges other people come to the camp and just want to get yelled at by Mike Madison so I'm in favor of those
4: guys I'm in favor of those. Those that I mean, I guess it's like anything else. It's kind of like uh, I remember when we started seeing so many books on, on poker, and some of us wrote them, and others were concerned that the writing of the books would mean the death of profitable games. But the truth is, even though book sales for a while at least were really big, 95% of the people who bought them thought that they would get better just by osmosis. By owning the book, they're going to get better. Very few readers really... <laughs> absorb the stuff and i think fortunately that may be true of the sites as well i mean you can learn a ton if you put your mind to it but just becoming a member doesn't mean you're going to somehow become smarter and learn more if you don't put the time in
1: right yeah i mean i mean we're all different we all learn differently so you know we could sit there and tell you exactly what to do or give you some suggestions or really you could take 80 camps and you might just might not click so I think with the volume of people, I mean, like I said, we've only taught you know, a few, you know, tens of, you know, maybe 10 or 15,000 people. And that's a fraction of how many people actually play poker out there. So, you know, for for us, it's like there are plenty more people to to teach, but there are also plenty of people that need training, you know, and a lot of people out there that think they know what they're doing, but they really don't.
4: Right. Uh, Listeners, we're talking to Chris Torino, who's the CEO and president of DeepStacks. Chris, we're about out of time, but I'd like you to... Talk about the tournament that's coming up again. Mention the dates. And then give us your website again so people that want to can check you out.
1: Yeah, on August 19th, we're doing a camp with uh, Parks Casino. That's going to be the uh, lead-in to the quarter-of-a-million-dollar guarantee 2K uh, main event on that Saturday. It's a a three-day event with the final table uh, being on Monday. And we're pretty excited about it. Parks asked us to participate in it. Uh, We're looking to get into a bigger relationship with them next year. But uh, you know these poker tour is just the the, natu- the next phase of, of you know our company with pros playing in these tournaments that we you know we host with our with our casino partners and you know we're pretty, we're really excited about the poker tour and we're going to televise it next year uh, for national television and, and we're really we're really stoked about it and uh, you know more information about you know our stops and, and, and kind of the next things that we're doing just Go to deepstacks.com and uh, you know check out some of the new things that we're doing, and we're really excited about it.
4: Terrific, Chris. That's Chris Tarina, deepstacks.com. We look forward to having you on again when you have anything else cooking, and uh, we've enjoyed talking to you today. Take care.
1: All right. Thanks, Ashley. Thanks, Doug.
4: Listeners, we'll be back after a quick break. Stay tuned.
0: You're listening to House of Cards on the House of Cards Radio Network. Check us out at HouseOfCardsRadio.com. Don't just listen to House of Cards. Now you can be part of the show with the House of Cards Hotline. Call us at 609-474-HOCR and leave a message for Ashley and the rest of the House of Cards crew. Comments about the show, poker questions, you just want us to know about great places to play, or you just got bluffed out of a pot. Your messages may even be played on the air. Give us a call at 609-474-HOCR. That's 609-474-4627. The House of Cards Hotline, available 24 hours a day. Call the hotline or send us an email at info at houseofcardsradio.com. And don't forget to visit our website at houseofcardsradio.com and follow the show on Twitter and Facebook. By leaving a message with House of Cards, you consent to having your message played on the air.
2: Do you hate to go to funerals? Tired of the awkward and depressing moments just standing around? Well, at Stiffy and Son Funeral Home, we want to remind you that the first three letters in funeral are F-U-N FUN! We have plenty of entertainment for the kids, including pinball and arcade games, an open bar, live DJ. Plus, we beefed up the old depressing methods of burial with what else? Hamburgers and hot dogs. Roast a complimentary dog over Uncle Billy's cremation fire. Make sure you bring your swimsuit to Uncle Jerry's burial at sea in the area's largest wave pool. Or try one of our theme funerals, our most popular and special this week, Circus Send-Off. Complete with clowns and jugglers. Shoot Grandpa off to his final resting place in our giant cannons. And a tropical evening with our luau theme, including hula dancers, a roast pig, and lays for everyone. You can also try our brand new cryogenic ski package. Your loved one may be on ice, but make sure you bundle up as you hit the slopes. What a better way to say a final thing! Farewell at Stiffy and Son Funeral Home. We try to make death the memory of a lifetime.
0: Hey, this is Dave Weishadol from House of Cards with your House of Cards gaming report for the week of August 8th, 2011. The proposed Hard Rock Casino Resort for Atlantic City took a big step closer to reality when the City Council cleared a major redevelopment hurdle for the planned $275 million, 850 room property. The changes to the redevelopment plan were mostly technical, generally conforming to the plan of the Hard Rock proposal. The casino would be the first of two smaller scale casinos on the boardwalk. Unions in Atlantic City felt that the property would help the trade workers prosper in the resort town. A new coalition formed in Washington, D.C. will be pushing for new online poker regulation. Fairplay USA announced the formation of their coalition, which will educate policymakers and the public on the broad public policy interests raised by the current ambiguous laws of the United States regarding gambling on the Internet. Fairplay Play USA supports Congress in defining what is illegal gambling and providing strong law enforcement tools to help regulate it, including providing a strict regulatory framework for online poker. Fairplay USA feels that licensing and regulation of online poker would ensure American consumers are protected and that the jobs and taxes associated with the industry are realized in the United States. And finally, one of the oldest operating casinos in Nevada is celebrating a birthday this week, The Railroad Pass Casino in Boulder City is celebrating its 80th anniversary. Opening its doors on August 1st, 1931, the Railroad Pass Casino is the oldest still-operating casino in the state and was the recipient of Nevada Gaming License No. 4. The casino is now owned by MGM Resorts International. Happy birthday, Railroad Pass! Have any news or tips regarding casinos, gaming, or legislation? Send us an email at newsroom at houseofcardsradio.com. And now, back to more House of Cards. You're listening to the House of Cards. Poker. Poker.
2: Poker. 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 I shall give it to you in a word. Poker.
4: Welcome back, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. You're listening to House of Cards, and we're here with a very special guest. We're talking with the man behind the curtain, in a way. His name is Kevin O'Toole. He is the executive director of the Pennsylvania Gaming Control Board. He is the person responsible, I guess, for regulating and making sure that the way things run in the poker room and the casino in general are run on the up-and-up, and he accounts for all of the revenue that the casinos contribute to the state of Pennsylvania. Kevin, are you there? Yes, I am, Ashley. Now, I just described in a quick nutshell your role. Why don't you elaborate just on what the Pennsylvania Gaming Control Board actually does? What really is your role?
3: Well, we have a large organization, and all all gaming regulatory agencies generally uh, uh, pertain to licensing employees To ensure that people with honesty, integrity, and good character are employed at the casinos. We also have a a strong role in compliance to make sure that the rules and regulations are being complied with. And we also have a strong role in operations. And that is to ensure that the casino has a a proper uh, uh, organizational structure and, 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 and with qualified employees. Um, and we specify the, uh, the, the, the games that they can play. Um, certainly in Pennsylvania, uh, we started out with just uh, slot uh, machines in uh, late uh, 2006, and then in 2010, the legislature authorized table games. So we have a, a pretty broad uh, scope of table games in Pennsylvania. It includes poker. And it includes uh, uh, quite a variety of traditional table games.
4: Does it include uh, Baccarat as well?
3: Yes, we have uh, Mini Baccarat, Midi Baccarat, and Big Baccarat, although none of the casinos have, have chosen to offer uh, a big table yet.
4: I see. Now what about, uh, we have some poker players who also dabble in Pai Do you have the regular Pai and Pai tiles or just uh, cards?
3: We have them both. Uh, the casinos started out with, uh, with PyGal Poker, and, um, it, it, it's a little bit more difficult to recruit qualified, uh, tile uh, dealers and supervisors. So when they opened up their table games in July of 2010, uh, they stayed with just the, uh, poker, uh, Gow Poker. But then about three or four months into it, uh, they put together some training classes and they recruited, Uh, some experienced dealers from some other jurisdictions. And right now we have uh, five out of the ten casinos offer pie tiles. I see.
4: Um, Now, a number of our listeners are in Massachusetts. We have a whole bunch of stations and people listen on the Internet all over the world. But in Massachusetts right now, there's talk, and there has been talk for three or four years, of allowing – full-scale gambling resorts to be constructed in Massachusetts. And one of the questions that a lot of people have is, is it really going to be good for the state? So I'm wondering if you can talk about the revenue for Pennsylvania that these casinos have been able to generate in the last few years, and especially this year.
3: Uh, uh, Certainly. Um, uh, Pennsylvania started out with a fairly high tax rate, on the, on the racinos, on, the, on the, the, the slot operations, a 55% tax rate. Wow. Um, but, you know, uh, n- nobody nobody came into the jurisdiction and then left.
4: So, <laughs> I guess you know, it wasn't too high then, was it?
3: No, it, it wasn't. And there are some jurisdictions that have tried a higher rate, and, and some have had a little bit of difficulty. Uh, but at that 55% rate, um, the casinos were able to uh stay viable and and in my view stay profitable. Um and that fifty five percent is is split up in a variety of different uh uh ways that benefit the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Primarily thirty four percent goes to property tax relief within the, within the Commonwealth. Uh there was also a very strong desire to help improve and in and, and buttress uh... the horse racing industry and that's why we have six casinos that are associated with race uh, racetracks so a certain amount of the tax revenue goes to increase purses and goes for health and pension uh, benefits of um, all the various employees associated in the horse racing industry Um and there's also a four percent local share uh... portion of that tax which is controlled by uh, the counties and the local municipalities that surround uh, each of the ten casinos. When table games came along, uh, the legislature was more inclined to give the casinos um, uh, a tax rate uh, that, that that would not, you know, so to speak, double up the high rate. So the casinos were able to get a 16% rate. A tax rate on their table games, which will go down to fourteen percent after the first two years. Um, so,
4: what is it meant in total revenue for Pennsylvania in the last year?
3: Well, on the table games, which I have, I, I, I you know I'm particularly familiar with the table games. Yes. it generated eighty-one million dollars in tax revenue. Um, Ten million of that uh, went to the local share, and seventy-one million. Uh, went to the commonwealth and for table games the earmarking of the of the of the tax revenue was to go to the general fund so it's 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 a line item uh revenue generator um uh, in in the in the in the general fund uh the the regular budget of of the commonwealth
4: 81 million that that will buy a lot of state services i would think
3: well, it, it, it certainly um, has its role in that, yes.
4: Yeah, so have a lot of the critics, because there's always a certain percentage of the populace and the politicians that don't want casinos, have any of them come around in Pennsylvania saying, well, I guess, you know, maybe we didn't like it, but it's at least begrudgingly they're saying it's doing some service to the state?
3: Well, certainly, yes, uh, th- that has occurred, and um, um, I think that's a natural progression, Um but, quite frankly, the, the politicians uh, uh, keep a, a, a close eye on, on, on how well we, as, as the gaming regulator, do. And, you know, they bring us in for legislative hearings, and, and we're glad to attend and we're glad to testify. And they, they really do a, a great job in Pennsylvania of, of keeping a good eye to make sure that our regulations are strong and that they're accomplishing what they're supposed to.
4: Oh, that's great. You know, listeners, I'm talking to Kevin O'Toole, who is the executive director of the Pennsylvania Gaming Control Board. I was just in Pennsylvania, uh, and I just played poker in the two poker rooms near Pittsburgh, down at the Meadows and at the Rivers. Great, great places, by the way, just uh, for our listeners. wonderful. I wish we had something like this in Massachusetts. But I also heard that they had just accepted table games for Presque Isle and I, I heard there was some process that went on between there and Gettysburg. And I'm wondering if you can tell us why they don't have poker yet.
3: Well, uh, the Presque Isle was, is, a, is a Category 1 casino, which means it's associated with a racetrack, which is similar to the Meadows, also in the western part of the state. They received their license um, in the early stages of, of uh, legalized gaming in Pennsylvania and, and didn't really have anything to do with Gettysburg. Um, Gettysburg, um, there was an applicant in Gettysburg recently that was one of the applicants for what we call a category three license, which is a resort amenity, uh, casino. Um, we had four applicants, uh, they were not one, they were not the applicant selected. But up at Presque Isle in Erie, uh, they have recently submitted a proposal which has been approved to create a poker room. Um, good. And, and that should open up in early October. It'll be relatively small. It'll be nine tables. Uh, but I think they've left themselves open for um, some expansion in that. They wanted to, to start at a fairly uh, manageable number.
4: Well, that's good. Nine rooms up in Erie would be terrific. I was driving back from uh, Minnesota. In fact, I have we have about two minutes left, about a minute and a half left. You were at Oneida and at Turning Stone. Can you tell me what's up with their room requiring two dollars just to play? I've never seen that anywhere else. Is that something that you had something to do with when you were back there? Do you know why that is?
3: Yes, I do know why. Actually, <laughs> okay. It 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 really wasn't um, what you would call um, a discretionary decision uh, of 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 Turning Stone. Um, it, it was premised upon uh, trying to be true to the to the law. Um, uh, poker, uh, w- w- in order to be legal at the Native American property up there at Turning Stone, um, had to be an activity that was already permitted in some context within the state of New York. Otherwise, it, because it's not a it's not a compacted game. In um, and, in and, uh, you know uh, study, uh, you know the lawyers for Turning Stone looked into poker. And determined that there were legal poker clubs in New York City. I see, and they... and, and and when when in order to open up poker in, in at Turning Stone, they needed to give it a club uh, um, structure. I see. And As part of the club structure, they made it a membership.
4: Club. <laughs> I see. And,
3: well, and, and so it was really just to comply with the law. I see. If,
4: if... I got it, and um, you know that's going to do it for us. I. I would love to see them decide in New York you don't really need to be part of a club so that you could play poker in New York as cheaply as you can play in Pennsylvania. But we'll save that discussion, Kevin, for another day. I appreciate you coming on as a guest.
3: My pleasure. Thank you.
4: Uh, Listeners, that was Kevin O'Toole. He is the executive director of the Pennsylvania Gaming Control Board. Uh, We're going to come back after a break, so stay tuned. Don't go away.
0: Hey, you serious about poker? Then winning 7-Card Stud by Ashley Adams is a must-have for stud players of all levels. In winning 7-Card Stud, the World Series of Poker Veteran takes you through a series of lessons and strategies designed to make you a better player in all phases of your game. The techniques of betting, what cards to play, how to read the other players, the art of bluffing. You'll learn to master them all. Winning 7-Card Stud by professional poker player Ashley Adams. Available at Amazon.com.
4: Hi, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. I just wanted to uh, mention something that if any of you have any poker questions that you would like to ask, we are always interested in your questions and comments about the show, about the guests, strategy questions. They could be practical questions about where and how to find the game. Send your questions to info at House of Cards Radio. Dot com, And you can also get our tweets on Twitter at www.twitter.com slash HOCRadio. We're very interested in them. And, of course, if they're particularly interesting, we'll put them on the air and answer them here in our segment of Mailbag. Info at HouseOfCardsRadio.com and, House and www.twitter.com slash radio. Info at com and www.twitter.com dot com slash HOC radio.
0: You're listening to House of Cards on the House of Cards radio network. Check us out at houseofcardsradio.com Here's the wonderful Joan Rivers with her thoughts on poker players.
2: And your people... You give money with blood on it. I met your people in Vegas for 40 years. None of them have last names. None of them. They have cash fulls of You're a poker player. A poker player. That's That's beyond white trash. Poker players are are the most awesome people in the world. Poker players are trash, darling.
0: Trash. House of Cards, proudly serving your white trash needs since 2007.
4: Welcome back, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. This is our mailbag segment, and I'm joined, as I am, in every mailbag segment by my producer, Dave Weishattle. Dave, what do we have uh, this week?
0: Well, this week, uh, you just came back from one of your uh, poker odysseys. You know, every every time you come back from a trip, I ask you, you know, usually, hey, how was it? How was And you go into these stories, I was like, hold on, save it for the air. (laughs) So uh, I I know you went to uh, what is quickly becoming one of my favorite states for gambling is Pennsylvania. I guess you started off there.
4: Oh, yeah, yeah. I drove. um, My wife and I were in uh, western Massachusetts on a Friday night. We always spend our Friday nights together. And then Saturday at 2 a.m., I set out to drive eventually to Minnesota where my brother lives. And uh, I made it uh, to Pittsburgh at about... Noontime, saw an old friend, uh, had a brief lunch, and then went to the meadows. I remembered absolutely nothing about driving around Pittsburgh. I used to live in Pittsburgh. I was a union organizer there in the uh, well, 1983 to 1988, and I did not remember anything. The highway system, the local roads, did it change so much? Or I don't was, know. <laughs> you just know. I kept looking to see well what's changed, and I, I didn't remember anything. <laughs> I mean, I remembered the name of some of the streets, but. You know how when you're driving, you, you kind of have a map in your brain and you follow it? None of that was there. I couldn't remember where different neighborhoods were relative wow. to other neighborhoods. <laughs> it was very distressing. I felt very old. You know, it's been 23 years since I lived there. But I figured that even so, I'd still you remember. shouldn't change that much. Right. So I drove down from Pittsburgh to Cannonsburg. Cannonsburg is a small city. Actually, the the, the area is called Washington, Pennsylvania. There's a small liberal arts college down there, but cannonsburg used to have a racetrack called the meadows and a few years ago the meadows expanded uh to include table games and then two years ago they got poker or one year ago maybe it was and i have been meaning to go there and finally made it down there the room is terrific um i mean it's it's a little dark um it had been i think poorly managed they just fired their poker room manager um and they they had a big tournament there. I played in a cash game. I made a little money, and it uh, was great. And then I went up to, went up to the other poker room in the Western Pennsylvania area. Great room called the Rivers. I think they're advertisers of ours. Yes, in the they Pittsburgh are the area. greatest
0: poker room. The
2: greatest ever poker room in no, Western truly, Pennsylvania.
4: Truly, they're the better of the two rooms. Uh, there's more action. Uh, it's a glitzier, somewhat glitzier place. I think they attract a. A larger crowd. They sure, certainly had a larger crowd when I was there. Um,
0: it's right in Pittsburgh, too, right?
4: Yeah, it's right it, by what used to be Three Rivers Stadium. Okay, and yeah. now is TNC Park is or it something. PNC,
0: like it's, it's not Heinz Field, is it? It's Heinz Field.
4: Heinz You know, Heinz. 57 saws. Yeah, saw yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it was. it's right on the other side of the river from the heart of downtown. <laughs> and a uh, lot of traffic in and out of the casino. It was bustling. It seemed a lot bigger than the Cannonsburg Room, but it only has four more tables. It's 30 tables, but it seemed much bigger. I'm not really sure why. There were many more young players up at uh, the Rivers. There were players of different ethnicities down in the meadows that tended to be all white, almost all middle-aged and older white guys. Here you had young Asian players. You had young black players. You had... Uh, young white players. You had middle-aged players. You had a lot more women. A lot more kind of people that were out having a good time Saturday night instead of people grinding or just going to the
0: track. Um, and I love, well that was going to be my question about Western Pennsylvania. What are the players like? Are they tourists or are they the daily grinders that you know you really should stay away from if you're uh, kind of a new kind of a poker player?
4: Well, you know what I would say is that in Cannonsburg. The players seemed to be not just big-time gamblers, regulars more, but the level of play was not good. They were regular, um, timid, uh, home game players who play now in a casino. There were a couple of exceptions, but for the most part, they were not terribly skilled. Very nice. People I'd like to have over for dinner, people I'd like to play against in the poker room, but easily intimidated. Up at the River's. It was certainly not uh, professionals feeding on one-two, but the level of play was slightly more aggressive, to be sure, more young players taking risks, but I don't think any better. They were Maybe there were more tourists, but I think mainly they were more locals that were into having a gambling good time and more local young players who were playing with
0: uh, recklessness. Which, okay. Yeah. One question I'm, I'm very interested in. About Pennsylvania poker eastern Pennsylvania Western Pennsylvania, who has the big bigger skill set of players well I, I I always thought it was eastern pennsylvania you, you always had Atlantic City there, so they're used to going to yeah, the shore for yeah, forty five yeah. minute drive and
4: I think that's in general there are from my experience and you know my my sample size is pretty darn small. I played for a couple of hours or three hours in each of the rooms in Western Pennsylvania and not much more than that in the Eastern Pennsylvania rooms, although I hit them all. I think you have more regular, experienced, good players in Eastern Pennsylvania, in the parks, in Chester's Harrah, at the Sands, uh, than you have in the two rooms that I played in. But again, my sample size, plus it's Saturday night, so there's something about playing on a Saturday night that maybe you wouldn't find if, you, if I went there during the week. Um, so I left Pennsylvania, and then I went up to Minnesota. I stopped on the way. I didn't play any more poker till I got to Minnesota, but I found the room in the country that I think has the best comp system for players. I played at Running Aces, which is in Columbia or Columbus, Minnesota. It's about 45 minutes north of Minneapolis, about a half an hour from Dayton, where my brother lives, my brother Lee. And I played uh, – with a five dollar an hour player comp compared to like Foxwoods, where they give you a buck or a buck and a half an hour, the standard's about a dollar an hour. Here they give players five bucks an hour, and and it's not just in credit for food or for a room. You can cash it out, so, so they give you five bucks. Well, you yeah. can cash it out, so you okay. can go and you could say. I mean, this is what I was told. I didn't experience this because I didn't play in a cash game this time. But you can play for ten hours. And at the end of the day, you, they say, oh, you got 50 points. And you could say, well, you know what? I'd like it in cash. So I played there. They, we played in a tournament. Uh, they had just recently been shut down because the state shut down. And they were one of the two rooms in Minnesota that because it's a state-regulated room, it's a racetrack as well. Uh, no state regulations means we can't have any of the rooms open, so they closed them down. And I stayed there for a few days in, in Minnesota with my brother, played there one night. Played poker in Pittsburgh on the way, and on the way back, I had planned to stop one night in Detroit and play there, but I got waylaid because as I was driving from Minneapolis through Chicago, I noticed signs for a poker room right on the other side of the border into Indiana, in Hammond, Indiana, for the horseshoe.
0: The horseshoe, okay, yeah.
4: And It was uh, in the morning, uh, but I decided, it was Wednesday morning, I decided to stop and play there. I did, Uh, not a particularly eventful session. I won some money. I found the daytime players there pretty easy to manipulate. Nobody was particularly aggressive. Uh, I don't know if they had been up all night or if they were just nine-to-fivers coming in. But I was there for about an hour and a half and made a little money.
0: What kind of setup was that? Was that like a strip uh, mall kind of? No, they were all set up as an
4: independent casino on their own uh, in uh, what looked like an industrial park area. Okay uh of hammond hammond i used to know is a place where they manufactured musical instruments i remember that uh, i had it the
0: the hammond organ and the hammond organ
4: and hammond uh, they manufactured i never knew that
0: was a place i thought it was a guy
4: (laughs) johnny hammond hi i'm hammond yeah uh, but so I, i played there and then drove all the way through um all of indiana And then went up to Route 94. I-94 goes up into Michigan on the way to Detroit. And as soon as I crossed into Michigan, I saw signs for Four Winds Casino. I called them when I first saw the sign and I asked them if they had a poker room. Yes, sir, we do. So I stopped in at their poker room. It was very nice. Um, They were very welcoming. It used to be only poker pro machines, which are the automated mm-hmm. machines, no yeah. dealer, no chips, no cards. They still have them and they use them for tournaments, but they now have a new dealer section, which uh, there was one game going uh, and I played at it. And again, the players that happened to be there when I got there were very conventional, uh, passive players. And, you know, maybe I just hit a, a run of good cards, but it yeah. was pretty
0: easy to win pots. Then uh, when are you getting to these places? Are they in the mornings? Well, I know, uh, this pl- wait, uh, Hammond was in the morning. Morning. Uh, I know. Last week you said Pittsburgh was Saturday night. So. Saturday afternoon and Saturday, Saturday night, and, night, and
4: so. then uh, this room was uh, about three in the afternoon, two in the afternoon. <laughs> uh, then a hundred miles further east was another casino called the Fire Keepers.
0: I've uh, never heard of that one. Is that brand new or very new, very
4: and new? looks very new? Very. Beautiful casino had that
0: new poker smell to it. That new, no. <laughs>
4: um, no, but it did have a very new and fresh look to it. Oh, okay. uh, the poker room uh, was very nicely set up. The brightest room I've ever seen. Uh, I really usually you'll have kind of either medium lighting or somewhat dark lighting in the room itself, and then the tables will be well illuminated. This was set up like a like a lunch room. I mean, just very bright <laughs> lights. And very nice, and um, had a profitable session there. It was, by the time I got there, it was probably 6 o'clock at night. I played for an hour and a half, two hours. Then um, I got to the s- suburbs of Detroit mm-hmm. at about 9, eight, 8 or 9, and was just too tired to venture forth into Detroit. And there are three rooms in Detroit the MGM, uh, Motor City, and Greektown. And I decided, you know what, I'll have to save that for another trip. The next day,
0: I had a really funny experience.
4: I went to uh, Turning Stone in New York, which is also where the Boxing Hall of Fame is. H-
0: How is there. that? I hear the uh, dealers are very nice. <laughs> I know it's coming, so it's <laughs>
4: <laughs> well. I should have played it off. Like... I hated Turning Stone, and, and I, I really I don't speak badly of most poker rooms. I find they all usually have something to offer. I did not like Turning Stone for a few reasons. First of all, the room has some archaic rule that you have to pay two bucks to sit in. A poker game there. Just two bucks up front, they charge you, they give you a little piece of white paper, you sit it in front of you to show you've paid the admission charge to the room. A ridiculous fee.
0: Oh, one thing I want to ask you about that. I think we were talking off air about another place that did it. Two dollars. I think you said Foxwoods or Mohican Sun or No,
4: no, 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 You're confusing something else, which I'll get to. The okay the, the, $2 the $2. admission is... What is what if
0: everyone folded before the before no, 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 you're oh, talking no about two dollars just, $2 just, right just off the to top. play? No, oh, no, okay. no. It has
4: nothing to do with the hands. It has to do with uh, it's a fee that they charge you to play in the room, wow. like a membership fee for the okay. day. It's a session fee. Twenty-four hours, you get uh, two bucks to play. Okay. The way they rake the game is what you're referring yeah. to. Yeah. And what they do is they charge a maximum four dollar rake, but they take two dollars out of the pot before the flop, no matter what the betting is. So in a typical game, if the pot reaches $20, they take $2 out for the rake. 10% of 20 is 2. I was in a hand. It was an $8 pot, and they took 2 bucks out of the pot. And I said to the dealer, what are you doing? I said, the pot was $7. They took $2 out, and they shoved me 5 I said, what are you doing? Why are you raking it? It's not even $10. And he said, no, sir, we take 2 bucks out of the pot no matter what. I said, that's ridiculous. Nobody does that. I'm not blaming you, dealer. I understand you're just doing it, but that is an absurd rule. Nobody does that. And he looks at me, and he asked me the wrong question. He said, "Uh, well, sir, where else have you played? Implying that (laughs) I have never played anywhere. And I said, not so nicely and certainly not very humbly, I said, "Uh, well... (laughs) You're asking the wrong guy because I think I may have played in more rooms than anybody else. And then I spent, just to belabor the point and to make him a little miserable, I spent the next 20 <laughs> minutes saying, well, let's see. I've played in um, San Diego. There are a bunch of rooms in San Diego. And then I've played in L.A. And, of course, I've played up in Northern California. And I played in Washington State. There are a bunch of rooms there. And he's you know trying to deal and trying to look like he cares what I have to say. I know, of course, he doesn't, but he can't rudely say, that's enough. Thank you. Shut up so and then i've played up at diamond tooth gerties in yukon territory do you know where that is and for the next 20 minutes i just went through the list of all of the places that i've played which is quite extensive and then periodically even after that I said, oh yeah and then i played at the aviation club in uh, uh casino gaillon in uh paris and i played at the uh, copenhagen uh and went on and on like that
0: so. you know that could have been mandalay bay all over again That could have been. It.
4: <laughs> floor, floor excuse me will you tell this guy to shut up um I suppose, but you know what? That would have been one poker room I would have enjoyed getting kicked out of. I didn't stay very much longer anyway. The rake is is big. The game was um, awful because all the players. It's been there for a long time, about eight years. Is maybe. there
0: anything else around? There's no competition, or there's or no what? competition, so people have to go there. It's, there's no a. There's no
4: competition. B. At least on a Thursday when I was there, the room was relatively dead. Three. The rake is way too high. Four, the pots are small because the players are all pretty tight and pretty experienced, so not only is the rake high, but the pots are small, and the players you're against aren't given any money away, um, so it was an awful place to play, and I didn't. I left thereafter and I uh, met my wife in Tanglewood. We went to a nice concert, and the next day I went and won a bunch of money down at Mohegan Sun, which is a much more pleasant place to play than Turning Stone in my
0: opinion. What were the games that you played? I, I know every time don't you come them from hold holder. No I stud anywhere? Or? There was
4: no stud anywhere. See,
0: I heard there was stud in western
4: Pennsylvania. No stud. No now, stud. Wow. they used to have a little bit of stud, but uh, no stud. Great Hold'em. The Rivers is a great place. And I'm eager, frankly, I think that Pittsburgh would be a place worthy of going back as a poker destination just for a weekend to just play poker, uh, as is Michigan, by that for that matter. Sounds good. good. So that'll be it. Uh, thanks for listening. And come back next week, listeners. Uh, In the meantime, have a good day, have a good night, and have good luck.